natural state of the market is is deflation. The only thing that could measure that is something fixed in units and outside of the system without counterparty risk to the system. And what you would see in Bitcoin is prices would fall forever. So when you're measuring Bitcoin, you shouldn't measure it against a currency. You should measure it against all prices. The house we're sitting in right now, if there was a million, $1.4 million three and a half years ago, and now it's $2.1 million. It was 300 Bitcoin three and a half years ago, and now it's 40 Bitcoin. So by measuring in the unit that you can't manipulate, it solves that paradox. Welcome to another episode of Opto Sessions. I'm very excited to welcome back Jeff Booth, entrepreneur, technology leader, and author of The Price of Tomorrow. Jeff is also the GP at Ego Death Capital, a Bitcoin-only venture fund. And I'm delighted to announce that we're actually um, at Opto. We're doing a competition. Uh, we've got five signed books uh, from Jeff, uh, The Price of Tomorrow, Why Deflation uh, is Key to an Abundant Future. Um, and all you have to do is uh, to enter the competition is to follow Opto Themes and Jeff Booth on X. Uh, and if you leave a comment on the pinned post at the top of the feed on Opto Themes, just telling us about what innovation you're most excited about in the future, we'll enter you into the competition. And for a bonus, you can also do the same on, on YouTube. How are you doing, Jeff? All right, great. Great to see you again, Ed. But I thought we could start with what do you believe is, is wrong about the mantra, the classical mantra of, of low controlled inflation being beneficial to economic productivity and long-term growth, which is what governments around the world are sort of telling us is, is, is the right thing to do. Yeah. And I think it's, it's really worth, okay. Like listening to that and then saying why, right. And then why, why again, why again? And what, what you come to a conclusion, uh, what you quickly come to a conclusion is that the, the natural state of a free market is deflation. And I, I should say that again for anybody who did, it wasn't clear. The natural state of a free market is is deflation, and then then we should discuss why the natural state is uh, is deflation or why that yeah. happens. And that happens because because we as users want to use things that are better value for us, and entrepreneurs come in to try to create a market to give us things that are better for us. And when you, uh, and, and we wouldn't use the things if they cost more or were worse for us. So we constantly gravitate to things that are better for us, uh, that give us more value. And entrepreneurs is now using technology that's moving at a f much faster rate because entrepreneurs are giving these things to us that are, that can solve our, our needs in a better way. And so everything we use kind of solves that problem. Otherwise, we wouldn't use it. Now, how does that work from an economic standpoint? From an economic standpoint, what what it says is uh, prices fall to the marginal cost of production. And so uh, over a long enough time horizon. So let's just stop there for a moment and say, what could stop that from happening? What could stop that from prices falling for the marginal cost of production is a government could regulate an industry and say, nope, you can't prices can't fall here because I'm going to force that to stop uh, falling. And then what happens with that industry is it grows into a monopoly in that country because it's a protected monopoly within that country um, and then gets competed at from other countries that won't allow that to happen and then fails. So over a long enough time horizon, economic law states prices fall to the marginal cost of production. 
So we can see on both sides of this, and by the way, push if you push on anything that you don't quite get, yeah. because it's, it seems like I can't believe it's such a hard concept for people to grasp because they use it every day. Yeah. They constantly use the things every day <laughs> and they, so they, they drive to things that give them more value. So, um, and then they, and, um, so, so prices fall to the marginal cost of production. And then we have exponentially increasing product productivity, which is driving that at, at a rate we can't even comprehend. So, so with technology now, so you have to think about what is the marginal cost of production of a line of code? Or what is the marginal cost of uh, production of a line of code created by other lines of code? Now that AI is moving into everything, and you can see prices dropping everywhere on those things. And then, um, and then on, but people say, "Oh, it's just those things. Other prices are rising." Okay, we'll get to that in a moment. But, but so, what do you hear from the giant monopolies that are taking advantage of it? You hear, "We need to regulate AI to protect people." Right, because the only way prices don't fall to free and, and give you an advantage everywhere, the only way the monopoly can protect its purchasing power is to scare you to believe that they're helping you. And by the way, our food systems wouldn't look the way they do. Our medical systems wouldn't look the way they do. Our our or what's going to happen in AI wouldn't look the way they do if regulation didn't favor the monopoly. And so, so, that, that's so across many industries across, uh, across everything, actually across money. Uh, and I think I said this on your last podcast uh, across money, you think about regulation and money. So you have regulation to try to protect you from losing money from a system designed to steal your money. So, so what ends up happening is, is all of that ends up concentrating higher and higher and higher. And I want to make an important point. There is no monopoly in the free market. It's impossible because entrepreneurs constantly try to attack and credit to create great, great, great value. They're created out of fear to be able to drive you to, to be, give away your power. So that's what, that's what ends up happening. And so you constantly, so, so prices fall in marginal cost production. We have exponentially uh, rising productivity, meaning prices should be falling all over the world. Now I'm going to go back to your question, right? Back to your question. Why do we live in an inflationary environment? Why are we led to believe prices are supposed to rise? Because that's the only way that the monopoly of money can survive. It can survive by essentially pretending um, to be able to help you through something that has to extract more and more of your wealth over time. And, and again, before we go to this, have some simple questions. And, and I'd, uh, I'd ask your listeners after you go through this, you might need to listen to it two, three, four, five times because it breaks your brain. Why? Um, so why inflation? Like, What is the reason that theft needs to be in money for us to be able to live productive li lives? And people will naturally come to, well, we need inflation. We need inflation or people wouldn't purchase things. And then ask, but then, but fail to then actually investigate that question, right? What would you buy if there was deflation? Because you buy new phones, you you buy a new computer. We've seen deflation there. You use AI. We've seen deflation there. Um, you'd buy food. You'd keep buying. You'd you'd buy the things you want to buy when you want to buy them. You just because the opposite of that question says the only reason you buy 
is because we're going to force you to, to buy, uh, by stealing your money. So once you understand the magnitude of what I just said, because it, it, it presupposes the only reason we could trade with each other all over this planet is if we steal money from, from people. And then, then when you look at that, you'd say, what would that look like? And why 2% inflation is actually really relatively simple. It's because you wouldn't realize that somebody's walking in your house stealing 2% of your stuff right. over the course of a year. Um, but it's way worse than 2% because most people are, are measuring like it's zero, like you're a stable economy. But the actual rate of deflation should be about, I, and you can't, you, you can't measure an unknown unknown. Right? Yeah. So I'm just, I'm, so, uh, so I'm, I'm estimating here. But I would bet with the technology progress that we have today and how fast that's coming, the, the natural rate of deflation in the market would be about 5% per, per year. So every year, the entire world would be getting richer by 5% per year. And as prices fell, as prices fell in, um, in that world, um, so, so when they lost their job from AI prices would have already fallen so they wouldn't need the job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. So, so, so there, most people are scared and they're giving these monopolies more and more of their power to protect them from the very same thing that's going to control them and, and, and hurt them by it. Because when you lose your job and, and your house prices are, are uh, food prices and energy prices are all way higher because you've manipulated money. You've stolen the wealth of society and transferred it to very few people. Yeah. It, uh, it, it concentrates more and all of those people you've stolen from give you more power to steal more. So it's such okay. a, so it's such a big concept and it's such a big concept because people are measuring the system from the, the, the system from the very same system that's hurting them. And could you just touch on why? So obviously as part of this inflation, um, one of the factors is obviously that it's, it's, it's decreasing the purchasing power of, of fiat currencies globally. Why are they declining so much over time? Like what are the, what are the real reasons behind this? How is the government manipulating the system? So that's, that's what ends up ha happening. You have to steal more and more of the purchasing power because they're, they're almost in, in inverted. So, so they are exactly, it's a mirror image in one system. And, and you could say, um, we'll get to Bitcoin in a second, but in one system, we have exponential deflation. And that means on the other system to keep you in, you have to have exponential inflation. You have to have, or exponential monetary easing to be able to steal more and more over time. So it, it was once 2% inflation and people didn't realize because we, because technology wasn't moving as fast, you still grew into these short-term debt cycles and then then the, that ki got kicked upstairs to the government and then created long-term debt cycles out of trying to stop technology from reaching essentially you could say the productivity that humans were creating are arriving to humans in the form of lower prices anything that stops that and that's why you have to just keep coming back to this pr principle the free market, the, uh, the natural state of the free market is deflation. So when you're arguing the other side of that, why does this happen? It happens because of human manipulation.
period. Um, and, and always throughout history, if you could, if you could control money and you could have your citizens believe that that was okay, inflation rate was 2%. What it meant is you stole productivity from all of those other humans on earth at a rate for doing nothing. So, so human history is filled with people wanting to be at the top of the monetary stack. And that's why gold has always failed because it gets centralized and people can, and, and human, it, you, you could look back through human history and you could say a simple axiom that, uh, that if money could be controlled by humans, it would be, it will be for sure. Yeah. So, so all throughout history, we live with that error code. We go to war throughout history from that error code because effectively by sitting on top of it, it gives you, you do nothing. You don't have to do anything and you steal the productivity from, uh, from the world, um, uh, by doing nothing. And the U S uh, is obviously, it's been, um, well publicized. There's a huge debt pile that they're continually increasing at the moment. It seems like a crazy, uh, increase in the rate that they're sort of, uh, in- increasing their debts. Is it, is it ever feasible for them to resolve this issue that they've, they've got themselves into? So let's, so us is just the, the currency that everybody, the fiat currency, everybody pegs to today, but it's falling yeah. at the same rate. It's, it's falling at a less slow rate than other, other currencies, but, but for a while, um, people will still use it. So right now it's actually getting stronger and it's getting stronger because it's cascading in a whole bunch of other countries and it's breaking their economies and they're going into hyperinflation. And what does that mean? It means hyperdeflation, meaning that they're stuck into a debt trap and they keep on doing the same thing. And then they get, then they elect dictators who take control of the money supply and think about what the hyperdeflation is for their citizens, for their citizens, their food prices just doubled or tripled or quadrupled. And, and and everything did. So when we think about from the first world where we live um, and how bad inflation is affecting us, look in Africa, look in some of these other areas and how bad is inflation affecting them and then wonder why they would get on a boat and try to get into another uh, into another country that's taking advantage of that. And you can see this dilemma all over the world. And yeah. so what that means is, 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 um, well, that system still operates like that in the U.S. market. U.S. can actually extend for quite a while because what did that mean? It means all of their imports just got that much cheaper, right? So essentially, they can export inflation to the rest of the world and not have as high as inflation because of stealing money yeah. at a rate from everybody else. And so this it tends to cascade for a long time um, to answer your question. Is the debt repayable? No, the debt hasn't been repayable for a long time. The debt actually isn't repayable at all on a, a deflationary system because the debt in, in deflation, the debt gets more and more re- expensive. But if you just said the debt overall, forget the U.S., if the overall debt in the world is about $400 trillion. If you tried to pay back $400 trillion at a dollar a second, it would take Twelve million eight hundred and seventy-three thousand years to pay back. And, and, and here's the thing: you laugh, and everybody laughs, and then they go back onto their business, living in that system, fully aware that the only thing, the only reason that that could be paid back, is through financial repression. 
So, so then all of their actions go in and are they're picking up pennies in front of the steamroller in that system. Yeah. Knowing full well that they have to be stolen from at a greater and greater rate, no matter what they do, whether they buy a house, whether they buy stocks. So you go and put money into the magnificent seven, the AI companies that are stealing more money than everybody else. Cause the higher you are in that ladder, <laughs> the more theft, right? They don't, they might not know it. They actually might not know what, how this looks, but would those companies advocate for a system that is the, the levels of playing field unless the free market work for the world, not a chance, right? So, so you, so you have this and then the money races to those because, because, because your money loses money less fast, still loses money, but less fast if you're in housing or one of those asset classes. So everybody's playing inside the game. And the only thing outside of that game, the only thing without any counterparty risk to that outside of that game, because it's self-custody, because it's because of the way it's designed, is Bitcoin. So, I mean, this is a good segue into uh, what does a financial system powered by Bitcoin look like? Well, it, it just resolves that conflict. And it result. And now, now, this we could go on forever because most of the people that are talking about Bitcoin are measuring Bitcoin price through the system that's being manipulated. So what they're naturally doing is a default. So if you look at today, if somebody's watching this or whenever you release this, look at Bitcoin priced in Argentina, uh, uh, in Argentina, or look at Bitcoin priced in Egypt or 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 uh, Turkey or anywhere in the world, and you'll see all time highs. Um, and because and those people are doing the same thing because they're measuring Bitcoin from the price yeah. from from the existing system rather than the other way around. If you if you take my thesis and you say, okay, price the free market the natural state of the market is is deflation. The only thing that could measure that is something fixed in units, and and outside of the system without counterparty risk to the system. And what you would see in Bitcoin is prices would fall forever. So, so, so when you're measuring Bitcoin, you shouldn't measure it against a currency. You should measure it against all prices. And I use this example all the time now. So the house we're sitting in right now, if, uh, I'm sitting in right now was three and a half or sorry, it was a million, $1.4 million, three and a half years ago. And now it's $2.1 million. Yeah. The house I'm sitting in, um, was 300 Bitcoin three and a half years ago. And now it's 40 Bitcoin. So by measuring in the unit that you can't manipulate solves that, sol solves that paradox. And, and you see the free market pricing, everything, my energy prices are going down. My every price is going down. If, if, if it's, it's outperforming any stocks I have, it's outperforming. So, so there's nothing that isn't affected by what I just said. It's just, and, and it, it is really, it's really quite simple. It's really quite simple. The, the new system, because you can't manipulate it, shows you the free market. Yeah. The system most people are measuring from shows them the, the manipulated market, the centralizing market, the everything else. And so who wins by the centralizing market? Well, the media companies and the tech companies and the and bigger government and people that have to and the only way that they can win is by controlling you to stay there. Yeah. 
And so you're, so, so most of the media is sitting inside of that market, confusing people about what Bitcoin is. And so, um, let's assume we're in a market where it's a Bitcoin financial system and as, as it's a priced in Bitcoin in a, in a, um, devaluation deflationary system, do, does the price of assets change or yeah. how, how are they priced? So, so it doesn't, so it's your, it's your view of those price changes, right? So if I, um, so describe the world in two different ways. Describe the world in one system that is constantly changing the denominator, right? You're creating more and more units of money. Then everything relative to the denominator, those more and more units of money is going up in price. So if you want to describe your world in the changing denominator, then your view of the world will, why are prices going up so fast? Right. And they'll go up faster and faster and faster. That'll be your view. If you, if your view of the world is the non-changing denominator, then prices will fall continue forever. And, and, and as more and more people understand this, so what's happening today is more and more people are starting to move to the new system because all you need to do, it's an open monetary network. All you need to do is move your time and your energy and part of it into the new system. As you start to experience this and move to the new system and this one gets worse, more people move. Yeah. And Bitcoin gets, is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. So I think what scares people is they think of it as a light switch moment. One day we have this, one day we have this. How could, how would I live in the new system? If you don't think about the, the light switch moment, if you just think this, the system I'm in, if you try to name a problem from the existing system that you care about, all of the problems are a derivative of broken money. Um, and manipula manipulation. I would say virtually everything is the single problem that people are thinking of and the big global problems that they're thinking about. They're all a derivative of bro broken money. And people are making those problems stronger by reinforcing and dividing from a system from a dishonest ledger. And all they need to do is move their time to a new system. And every single person has an opportunity. You don't have to wait for your bank to do it. You don't have to wait for BlackRock to do it. You don't have to wait for anybody to do it. All you have to do is move your time. And as you move more of your time and the energy or financial energy into the new system, you'll start to experience a totally different world. Mm -hmm. And it's very powerful. And so, yeah, and I think what you were getting at is what we would do. What would we do? Right. What would we do? Well, what do you do? You don't think about the air you're breathing right now. That's free. It's the most valuable thing in your life right now. You don't think about what you would do with that. Why would why would that need to be priced? That's what you're un, unnaturally doing within the system that is driving fear. Because a lot of these other things would fall fall similarly to free or almost free, and and your time. It when measured in Bitcoin and eventually everything's going to be measured in Bitcoin, but your time will expand and you can do the things you really want to do yeah. rather than being on a hamster wheel, chasing a system that is actually stealing your, your life energy. And do you think it's even possible um, or probable that a system will exist, whereas there's both fiat and Bitcoin? 
I think that so so now we have to think about economic actors and what they would look like and game theory and what. So I think absolutely that these things will coexist. I think different governments will say, okay, I'm, I understand that some people are, so, so a whole bunch of different options can, are going to happen. So sometimes governments are going to, some governments are going to try to block the access to Bitcoin. And remember anytime that, get you, to that point, do you think it's inevitable? Yeah, it's inevitable. Um, but anytime that they, anytime that somebody does just remember if you're staying trapped, why are they blocking the access? They're blocking the access for massive financial repression, essentially stealing more money from you faster. Um, so, so anytime you hear that, you should be like it moving as fast as you can <laughs> to the, to the new system. Because, because if that is your reason for staying put, that's a really terrible reason for staying put. Essentially, I'm not going to move to Bitcoin for fear that the government is going to stop stop Bitcoin. So I'm going to give the government more power over me to steal my money. That's really what you're saying. So, so, but all of these things will play out in different areas of the world. And as people as because Bitcoin doesn't care what you or I think about it, it could care less, could care less what the government thinks about it, could care less every 10 minutes, new block, decentralized, secure, it's repricing the world and it doesn't care what anybody thinks about it. And so, but other people care. Right. Because if you're, if your power only comes from theft and something changes the world to be able to provide, uh, uh, to, to change, to take away your power, then you're going to care a lot and you're going to try to stop the, stop the on-ramps and everything else. So you could say that, um, you could see this play out. A lot of these things are going to play out in different regions of the, uh, of, of, of the world. So let's take, let's take an extreme example. All governments all around the world all get together and they all try to ban Bitcoin. Yeah. By the way, remember China's tried now seven times. There's still over 10% of the hash rate is still in, in China. You can't stop something like this. And, and so, but let's say, let's say that happened. Then let's use examples from history that when, when a government says, I'm going to ban all of this, like essentially an open source technology, you could say, um, anytime you see that, uh, that type of draconian measure and what happens an underground market explodes. So I think actually Bitcoin, if that was the case, even though and it won't be, but, but let's just use that as an example, Bitcoin would grow faster because, because you, because you can't, there's no throat to choke and, and it would, and it would be signaling what's coming next and everybody would race over. I think you'd have an underground economy that would explode on it. And that would be the real market instead of the fake market. Yeah. Now, if one country did it, the U S did it versus, and it would, or, or a different country did it, then it would, then it would activate game theory and it would, that disadvantage that they imposed on their citizens would create an advantage for other countries to go faster. And so you'd, you would actually, it would be a massive advantage. It would be like North Korea banning the internet for their citizens. It didn't stop the internet. It stopped North Korea citizens from participating in the internet. 
Yeah. And, 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 and so that's what would, what would happen and it would explode and it, it would explode in growth. And what you're saying, El Salvador, if you just think U.S. U.S. just went down in credit ratings last week, El Salvador went up in credit ratings. Same week. Right. And now that's the second time El Salvador has gone up in credit ratings. And second time, uh, I think the second time the U.S. has gone down in uh, credit ratings in the last two years since Bitcoin, since El Salvador adopted Bitcoin. Yeah. So what's happening to their economy is it's exploding because people are moving there. Tourism is expanding there. People are realizing a free market is developing there. And more and more people are starting to understand that. And that's going to that's going to travel around the world and other other regions around the world are going to say, whoa, wait, I can get off this system that impoverishes me mm-hmm. into a system that that works with the free market and helps my people do really well. Now, if you're a dictator and saying and your your position of power has been coming from essentially, let's use uh, U.S. or France and in, in, uh, that said. I'm going to put this person in to protect my monetary regime, right? You probably don't want Bitcoin because your, your money is coming from uh, somewhere else. But anytime you find, anytime you find that you find essentially the free market and people that creates, that creates a negative, this creates a positive and it creates more and more momentum. So you're seeing that a groundswell, a move up from more and more people understanding what we're talking about right now. Yeah, and once they understand it, why do you think Bitcoin has kind of a high even in this and as the price is going up of eighty percent long term holders? Nobody's like it, it, once you're enlightened to this fact, you're not going to you're not going to trade it for a fiat instrument. And do you think um, if there's two systems, these two systems exist in the future? Uh, uh, how's the tax going to work? Are they still going to try to assert their control over that financial system with taxes you're meant to be paying? And that obviously is, is impactful for transactions because if you want to use it as a daily transaction, you don't want to have tax every time, you know, the price is minute changes as, as you're holding it and paying for things. Yeah, so that's why it's too early to, to determine exactly how that's going to look like. And I would suspect every country is going to to tax or do something differently. And that's also going to create game theory. Yeah. And so, so, so countries are going, countries are going to be forced to deal with this, right? The one way or another and their policies around it will determine the flow of capital free market ideas and people to those countries. And so I would imagine there's going to be entirely different competition, just like, by the way, look at the competition for golden visas today, mm-hmm. right? Or money. So any, any country is looking for capital from, from other countries or the most rich in other countries. And you could go anywhere, right? If you had a whole bunch of money, you could go, go anywhere. If you're, if you're in Bitcoin, that's what your world will look like. You'll have more and more choices. Yeah, yeah. Because, because those choices, those governments are going to be competing for you. And then those, those are going to lead into more and more business opportunities. And those government, let's say one government said, I'm going to tax Bitcoin at 25%, right? 
anybody who's and the next another government said I'm going to be ten percent. Another government said I'm going to be five percent, but and uh, only five percent in a really f- fair way. And and those were fairly equal jurisdictions. Where do you think people would go? Yeah, that's obvious. Yeah, yeah. So it is just it'll it'll, it'll force. And remember, um, there's there's this craziness today that that we think government control it's almost like government controls us what are they going to do they're supposed to be in service to us yeah yeah right it's it, like even the question about what governments are going to do is it's pre it's out of this existing system that's driven so much control and so much bigger government and so much more and more and more out of the very system that we think is helping us. It's hurting us. Yeah. And so our minds are totally flipped with or and, 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 and in this new, new world, government's going to get smaller or the best governments are going to, and it's going to be in service to you. Cause they're going to be forced to operate more efficiently. They're going to be forced to, it's going to be forced into the free market and, 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 and you, and you get, instead of having your rights taken away from them, the rights come back to you, back to you. So the, the centralized organizations will still exist, but in a smaller form and without this relentless growth that happens over over time, they'll get smaller, and the ones that are and and the ones that they'll get they'll probably smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller over time, and the best and the ones that just like the free market. If you're if your only way of being in in business or being in power is through theft, this is going to be really harsh from for you. Yeah, right? this is going to be a really harsh right, which it should be. So all the all the vital services still exist. Yeah, like of course, because we'll we'll want them, we'll yeah. vote for them, right? Yeah. Of of course. Now, maybe a country, say, maybe a small country says we're not going to do anything. It's all going to be free market. Maybe they'll try that experiment. I suspect that that experiment won't play out very well. But who am I? I don't like. I don't know. But uh, but lots of different ideas will be tried. Well, thanks, Jeff. That was really really interesting.